Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 112 since we started seeing endless ads for loungewear, and day 56 of this podcast. My guest today is someone I've wanted to have on this podcast from the start. But at the start, 112 days ago, he was, well, he was pretty busy. And he's still busy, but he thankfully has enough time to catch up with us today. Here's Eric Salk, a physician whose specialty has long been emergency medicine. Eric, thanks so much for joining me to talk about the way we live now. Very excited to be here. So I started this podcast as a way of reaching out to others so that we could still gather during this time of social distancing and have windows into each other's lives. So to that end, would you describe for us where you are as we're having this conversation, what you're looking at, like what's out your window, anything about your surroundings? So I am here in beautiful Northwest Connecticut um, and uh, in in my home and just using my bedroom, which happens to have uh, be a little bit quieter, um, but but it's uh, a beautiful day and um, and I'm surrounded by beautiful natural beauty around here, which is which is one of the great things about living in this corner of the world. You and I are more or less neighbors, and it's been such a stark contrast to look out the window at all of this beauty, all this natural beauty, and to be, you know, so hyper-conscious of what's going on in the world around us. But you have a bigger, way bigger window uh, on on that than than I do, which is really why I wanted to have you on the show. So you've been an ER doctor for a long time, and you've seen a lot. Um, when did you realize that we were facing something huge and unprecedented, at least in our lifetimes? There were those early rumblings, you know, in the earliest, early part of this year, um, you know, after the sort of holidays, uh, we were, we were hearing about this outbreak in China in the ER and in the medical world. 
you know, were hearing about the same thing that everybody else was, you know, it started to get a little more serious in sort of February and, uh, you know, alarm bells were going off and, and, you know, the, the react people's reaction was sort of all over the map. Many people were becoming quite anxious and others sort of, you know, taking it in stride and minimizing and, and, um, and I, you know, I was guilty of, probably both extremes at some, at some point in the, in, you know, as the, as the information was coming across. Mm. So when COVID-19 did arrive here, what was the beginning of the pandemic like for you? What were your, what were your days like? Because of where we are, um, sort of not in, a, in an epicenter or a place where people, international travelers are coming and going, we, we, we were, our, our wave hit a little bit later than New York and Seattle. So we had time to get ready, but in those weeks that we were getting ready, you know, it was getting, it was pretty anxious. We, we, we just the, sort of the level of anxiety of, of uncertainty is the thing that I remember most and stress levels were running high. We were building out, you know, structures in the parking lot in order to, you know, handle potential hordes of people um, and trying to, you know, sort through and sequester those who are less sick and more sick and, and, we were figuring out plans to, you know, how, to, to, to expand our ICU capabilities and you know, how to redeploy staff uh, and, and close down certain services, elective services and stuff. So a lot of that was going on. As the cases started to show up, you know, we had to start getting serious about personal protective equipment and, and isolation and, 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 and figure out, you know, routines for testing. And as that progressed, um, it was a sort of a wild ride. Um, information changed, you know, it, the new information came out daily and this was happening so quickly that, that the usual sort of way that we digest scientific information and studies, you know, it was irrelevant. We, mm-hmm. you know, we were using social media, web conferences and, and blogs of, of, of critical care medicine people and emergency medicine people you know, sort of sharing anecdotal in, information and, and early studies. And, and some of those, you know, the ways that we approached patients in those early days, you know, using the best information we had, you know, uh, and, and the experience, you know, we were learning from, from China, from Italy was appropriate for the moment. But, but as things unfolded, it, we ended up sort of turning things upside down and, and the way that we were, you know, managing patients, you know, in, in subsequent weeks, was vastly different, you know, and, and hopefully we were getting better every day, but it was, you know, it was challenging. It was also very exciting. I mean, it's sort of never in, in the 25 plus years that I've been, you know, at this, did we have something changing, unfolding that quickly and, and the need to sort of synthesize and digest information as it, as it came through and, you know, work together with colleagues and compare notes and, and you know, that part of it was exciting at the, at the same time as, as it was anxiety provoking. That's so interesting because I would imagine that somebody somebody who goes into emergency medicine up for that kind of daily, you know, minute by minute challenge of, you know, meeting the moment whatever it is. Yeah, it is one of the things people people who are drawn to that specialty tend to, you know, like to figure out puzzles and 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 are okay making decisions you know, based on, you know, sort of limited information, you know, there's other specialties where you know, people, you know, want to gather all of the data first and, and, you know, you know sort of put together lists and, and, you know, and uh, do things in a very organized fashion. And emergency medicine is a little bit more MacGyver, 
sort of seat of the pants, you know, cowboy. Yeah. Stuff. And you're, you know, everybody was making it up as, as, as we went along, um, because the information, yeah. I remember seeing a YouTube video that got around in, I would say late March, and it was made by, I think he was an ER doctor in New York City. And it, he made it for his family, for his extended family, but then um, it kind of went viral. And because it was very soothing, because what he was saying at the time was, all you have to do is wash your hands and not touch your face. <laughs> and he just kept on saying, like, it's really that simple. And that's so true. And that, and that is that is very true. And and yes, we, we, you know, there was a lot of craziness, too, that, you know, in in among that sort of, you know, flurry and, and just just you know, tidal wave of information was all sorts of stuff that was you know, having to do with, you know, being able to detect samples of virus on hard surfaces, you know, days later. So, you know, which, which, you know, freaked people out and, 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 you know, made it, you know, created this paranoia about touching any, anything, it, you know, which, you know, if you if you look at the way we do testing and and sampling and you know it, there was a lot of errors in, in, in there and there you know you, you have to sort of you have to sometimes just sort of step back and and, and that's you know that's 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 hard to do it's hard to it's mm-hmm. hard to convey that information. Um, I told Gawande who does a lot of writing you know that, mm. uh, a surgeon at Harvard, Harvard had written a couple of things that that along those lines that that were you know looking at what happened in China with you know the sort of the first wave of this. Healthcare workers were dropping like flies, unfortunately, because in the very beginning, because they were not taking these, you know, the, the, the sort of the necessary measures. As soon as they did, and they started wearing masks, and they started, you know, doing appropriate personal protective, you know, gear and distancing, the, the, you know, the, the morbidity and mortality among the healthcare workers dropped, you know, almost to not almost to zero. And and that's been the case. I mean, it's all, and again, these things are not 100. percent This is not pure sterile aseptic technique like you have in the operating room you know we we try to cover up we try to make sure the patients are covering up we wash our hands you know meticulously um and you, you just be very conscious of, of, of what you touch and touching your face and you can you know dramatically you know slow the spread mm. one of the things i'm curious about is were there i kept on thinking about people who had other emergencies during this time you know mm-hmm. like what what if somebody hit their head or had a heart attack or what happened to people during that period of time where, you know, the, you know, hospitals were converted almost entirely into COVID units and people did everything they possibly could to not have to go to the hospital unless they. Well, that, no, that's accurate. That, that was a, that became a real problem, a real sort of, you know, unanticipated, uh, you know, consequence of, of all the preparedness and everything everybody was doing you know, the social, the, all of the measures people were taking and the, the fact that we shut everything down was, you know, to, to slow the spread of the virus, but in particular to avoid overwhelming the healthcare system. So mm-hmm. that was sort of the whole focus. I think people took it to such an extreme that, that, you know, we saw this dramatic drop in visits in overall visits to emergency departments across the country. I mean, obviously we all saw images of these, of, you know, Elmhurst, Queens and places in Seattle, you know, where they were, they were packed and overwhelmed. That that was really a, that was a, a, a tiny minority, even within even in New York City. Me and my colleagues and you know, described fifty percent reductions in overall visits to the ER, and and then we you know the, the word started to spread. We you know we were comparing.
scary notes about the fact that, you know, wait a second, where are the heart attacks? Where are the strokes? Those shouldn't have stopped happening. You know, unfortunately, people were avoiding, you know, the ER to, to, a, to a fault. And there, I'm sure there was a lot of mortality. There were, you know, and, and we're going to continue to see. And I, I mean, we have seen, you know, the effects of that. I, you know, I personally have seen appendicitis that were that, that ruptured because people avoided coming to the ER probably had silent heart attacks or heart attacks that they attributed to an indigestion or just didn't want to go to the ER, you know, and will end up with, you know, permanent disability as a result of that. Um, and, and, and so a couple of weeks into this, when we were seeing this, I mean, organizations like American Colleges and Emergency Physicians, you know, put out public service announcements saying, please don't, please come, don't, don't, it's, we're, 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 and, and we were all taking, you know, a lot of precautions to, to, to keep things as safe and separate and sterile as, as, as possible, given the, you know, the availability of testing and the availability of PPE. And stuff. But, you know, unfortunately it was a little bit of an overreaction. Mm-hmm. So, so that, yeah. Yeah, that, that was very real. And, and, you know, fortunately part of, I think a, a consequence of the fact that we had such a chaotic healthcare system in this mm-hmm. country that, and, and, and sort of a lack of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. It's certainly been brought into the starkest possible relief. Connecticut has, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but the lowest number of new COVID-19 cases in the country at this moment? You were probably right. I trust I, I trust you. I hadn't actually heard that within the last few days, but I believe it. But again, this is this has always made me crazy through the whole thing. You know, we're, you got to remember that there's the denominator. I mean, we're also like the second smallest state. Yeah. We're yeah. a pretty populous state. You know, it's a relatively popular state, but it's still a relatively small number. You know, so so if you're talking about absolute numbers, well, well sure, but it's it's the per capita number that, that sort of is more important. So I I, I don't know exactly right. what you're that, but, right? But I, I but I, I encourage everybody to always sort of ask that question when they're saying China or or or, or you know America has you know has the most number of cases. Well, you know, of course we also have the most number of people, and, and so you know what what is it what's the the, the rate mm-hmm. the, the case per per capita? Mm-hmm. So, no, that's a good point, um, and I I don't think people actually really understand that. Yeah, um, yeah, and and I think it's also creating a little bit of a sense of hubris, maybe, where my son actually forwarded me a, a news piece out of New Haven the other day um, that that they had to close down a bar because it had a thousand people in it, and mm. I I worry about just people we're we're all so longing to go back to quote unquote normal. And just snap yeah. back into everything being just fine again. And I think sometimes thinking things like, you know, lowest number of cases or yeah. or just yeah, and, and there's no there's no national kind of messaging about any of this. When you think about the next, oh, I don't know, like year or eighteen months, mm-hmm. what do you think it's gonna look like? I certainly have no crystal ball and I and I, you know, don't claim to be a, you know, an epidemiologist or um, and I've been I've been wrong, you know, other times during this whole thing. So, with that with that caveat, certainly we flattened the curve very, you know, very effectively. You know, we probably, you know, overall the country and and, and each state, you know, flattened the curve and, and saved hundreds of thousands of lives. It, it but the 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 un, sort of an unfortunate side effect of that is that they're they're. We slowed down the spread, so a relatively small number of people, you know, have have been infected. And we, you know, whether or not infection confers immunity, we still don't know. We it probably does to some extent. 
but we're going to be seeing subsequent waves. So there's going to be waves and, and, and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be regional. There's going to be outbreaks here and there. Um, I, I'm, you know, we're going to have to be shutting things down again. It, it, it may not have to be the massive across the board, you know, thing that we had done in the past, you know, as the world is different and is going to be for the foreseeable future. And I mean, the idea of people packing into stadiums and, or, or, you know, music festivals or, you know, or bars, you know, is, is not going to be happening at least until we get a vaccine and a vaccine, you know, widely distributed. So, you know, that's, that's, that's not on the horizon just yet, hopefully within two years, you know, 16 months or two years. Um, the, I do worry a lot about the, the fall, you know, as we get into the fall and winter and usual respiratory illnesses and the flu and the, and, and, and just cold, um, season starts, the, you know, whose symptoms are very hard to distinguish from, you know, coronavirus and, and you know, initially, um, it's, it's going to get, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be rough in healthcare settings and, and just on, on a public health uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. Did you in the ER have a lot of people coming in who were anxious uh, that they that they had the coronavirus and and who didn't who had just a more a, a flu or a, a milder or just something it, else? It, it wasn't that bad because um, you know there we we were sort of coming out of flu season. In the very beginning, it was uh, we were still at the tail end of flu season, so we we were sort of testing everybody for flu at the same time. And again, it was it was pretty hard because we also didn't have available testing. I mean, in, 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 I work in a number of different settings. I mean, it was in each place was a little bit different. And and the the, the pro, literally the protocol for who we could test and not test would change two and three times in a, in a given shift or day. You know, as we would run out of, of, of you know reagent, or we would change uh, the lab that we would you know be using, or um, you know it, it, it was. But so you know, there were a lot of people very anxious about it and wanting testing. But the word got out that there really that we weren't testing, so people weren't. We actually weren't. It wasn't like we were overwhelmed or, or overrun by a lot of those mm-hmm. patients in the ER. In the ER, and I think people were scared to death of, of showing up in the ER. Right. You know, around, around that time, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I do work in, in some other settings. I mean, urgent care clinics just kind of shut down and, and, you know, told people, do not, you're not allowed to come in the, in the door if you have these symptoms, you know, and, and all the medical offices did. So, so people were, you know, sort of, uh, it, it, there wasn't a stampede. I mean, there was, there was a lot of anxiety and, and the anxiety still happens. I mean, people, the effects of just general general anxiety from just you know everything that's going on um, among patients. Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to go on for a yeah. long time to come. There's like P- waves of PTSD on top of waves of yeah. of 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 the virus. Um, so my last question for you is, well, it's kind of a two it's a twofer. Um, how are you and your colleagues? taking care of yourselves during this time when it's exciting, but you know, the, the flip side of exciting is it's got to be incredibly stressful. And then this, the second question is what's bringing you hope? It's tiring. And it's also, and it's, uh, there's also, you know, the, the way it has changed the way we interact with patients, you know, having to gown and gloves and put on masks and, and things, you know, you, you can't, you know, part of the, 
the art of medicine was, you know, it was the human touch. And, you know, now just to see the, the look of fear on, on people's faces as you go into the rooms, you know, especially elderly patients or, or kids, you know, when you're all, you look, you look like a spaceman. So that, you know, so anyway, that, 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 that's, yeah. that's part of the doubt. How do you deal with that? You know, we, we do the way we usually do. We, we eat pizza and drink cold coffee and, and, and have sort of gallows humor and, <laughs> and, you know, share, you know, dark, you know, jokes and I, camaraderie the way soldiers, I, I would imagine, mm-hmm. do in, mm-hmm. in the war. So, so, you know, is that, I don't know if that's the healthy thing, but then obviously there's, and then there's family, but a lot of stress has been put on that. We, you know, we, we, people are figuring out different ways. A lot of people are living in their in guest rooms or, and, and have, you know, not making any physical contact with their family. Or I've, you know, I spent three months, in, you know, in a guest house of a friend, um, so that I wouldn't expose my, you know, my family. Um, and so, um, you know, there's, there, there are resources, there are sort of mental health resources being made available, but that's also something that, that healthcare workers are, Dribbling about accessing is because sometimes that, that creates a label which can affect your credentialing and your mm-hmm. licensing. Mm-hmm. So, so I don't know. I'm sorry. That, I'm not. That I, I wish I had a good answer. It's it's taking its toll on yeah. on, on, on healthcare workers. Yeah. Um. But but you know, what, what obviously we we also by the same token, the outpouring of, of of gratitude of you know all the signs that you see up and down the street, the the the, the, the you know the, the gifts of food that we get from people that you know cards from kids is amazing. I mean, you know, we've never, we've never experienced that sort of show of love. And I must say that's, it's tremendous. Mm. And, 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 and really the fact that everybody did what they did, you know, the fact that everybody put their lives on hold, you know, in the, to the extent they did in order to protect, you know, their, their local nurses and, and, and doctors and, 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 you know, healthcare workers, uh, you know, says volume. So I think we, we, we gained a lot of uh, sort of love and, and strength from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that, that's, that's a hopeful sign of just of, you know, the human spirit and the human condition. A- absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, and that was overwhelming. I mean, it really was. I mean, uh, an amazing demonstration of, of exactly of the human spirit of, of, of goodness in, in, you know, mm. in people. Mm. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk about all this, I think people um, really want to want to know and want to hear, you know, what's going on in in all of these in all of these ways and in all of these places and with all of these people. And especially, I've had a few healthcare workers um, on the show, but not an ER doctor. And I I'm just really glad to be able to talk to you. So thanks. Oh, my pleasure. And again, again, mine is just one little perspective, you know, from one corner of of, of the, the system. So. So, but, but I hope that, I hope that, that was oh. helpful. And, and thank you. Thank you very much for, for, for having me here. I, I, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and, 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 uh, and this was fun. Good. I'm glad. Me too. Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. We want to hear. Call us on, you might want to get a pen for this, 909 713 8995. That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here, and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. 
The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry. The world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.